Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Wednesday, December 13th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Illinois State Police are hoping to see wider use of a program restricting who can have a gun. We'd like to see medical professionals use it more. School administrators are now using it pretty routinely, and it does make a difference. Illinois State Police Director Brendan Kelly talks about the tool he says police are using to stop major tragedies before they happen. We'll have that in just a few minutes. The St. Louis County Council has given final approval to its 2024 budget, but there's some friction over reductions to services. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports. The council passed the legislation that makes up the 2024 budget. That included more than $14 million in cuts compared to what St. Louis County Executive Sam Page proposed. Page says those cuts could compromise the county's ability to demolish derelict buildings and implement a senior property tax freeze. But Councilman Mark Harder says those kinds of statements amount to scare tactics and added the county needs to make a dent in a budget gap. And this is an easy decision. Um, compared to what we're going to have to make in the years to come. The council voted 6-1 to one on legislation that funds a significant portion of county government. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. The Archdiocese of St. Louis says it will not be closing any schools for the 2024-2025 academic year. The decision follows several months of evaluating enrollment trends, building capacity, parish subsidies, and other financial components. The Archdiocese announced plans this year to close more than 40 of its 178 parishes by 2026. Pastors who want their elementaries to remain open as a standalone school must submit a long-term feasibility plan to the Archdiocese by February. The Archdiocese says some parishes may reconsider decisions to remain open. Illinois lawmakers are still hashing out permanent rules to govern the state's assault weapons ban, which goes into effect January 1st. People keeping weapons need to register them with state police by the first of the year. So far, about 6,000 people have registered some 20,000 guns and accessories. Republican lawmakers want to know what happens with that information if the law is found unconstitutional. State Police Acting Chief Legal Counsel Suzanne Boyd says that's not up to them. We would hope that in deciding this litigation, the courts would um, direct the state police on what to do with that data. The temporary rules governing the assault weapons ban will remain in effect until February 11th unless lawmakers enact permanent regulations before then. The Illinois State Attorney General's Office has agreed to stop the enforcement of the law cracking down on so-called crisis pregnancy centers. The conservative Thomas Moore Society filed a challenge against the state and federal court arguing the law violates the center's right to free speech. Attorney Peter Breen says the law targeted centers for being anti-abortion. The facilities are often Christian-based clinics that do not offer nor refer for abortions. Critics say they use deceptive practices. The St. Louis region needs tens of thousands of more people working in tech-focused jobs. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports how local organizations are working to fill that gap. 
Some estimates peg St. Louis as needing around 85,000 more tech workers, some 10,000 in cybersecurity alone. That means many future workers will come from non-traditional backgrounds. Charlie Mackey Jr. is the founding managing director of Perscolis in St. Louis. He says some barriers into the tech industry are self-imposed. So many employers have a requirement for a four-year degree, but slowly but surely are realizing a four-year degree doesn't mean everyone that comes out has the skills and the ability to do the role. Mackey Jr. says it helps when employers can see firsthand the rigor of his organization's accelerated tuition-free tech training. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis Blues have fired the head coach who guided the team to its only Stanley Cup. Craig Berube was relieved of his duties following last night's 6-4 loss to Detroit. He told reporters before the announcement that the team needed to play better. You got to earn everything, right? I mean, it's not just gonna, it's not just gonna happen. We got to earn it, and you know, you got to play the right way to, you know, the right way to earn it, and you know, you got to do the little things right. The Blues have lost four in a row. They are 13-14 and one this season, one point out of a playoff spot. Baruby spent parts of six seasons as Blues coach, totaling 382 games. His 206 wins are the third most in franchise history. He was behind the bench when the team won the Stanley Cup in 2019. Drew Bannister from the Blues American Hockey League affiliate in Springfield, Massachusetts, has been named interim head coach. Hey, it's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson, your afternoon newscaster here at St. Louis Public Radio. Keep podcasts like The Gateway thriving by becoming a member of St. Louis Public Radio today. Your monthly donation ensures that your community stays informed and has access to fact-based local and national news. Give right now at stlpr.org, and thanks. Illinois State Police are using clear and present danger reporting differently than a year ago. Reporter Alex Dagman talked with State Police Director Brenton Kelly, who believes the tool is stopping major tragedies before they happen. Director Kelly, thanks a lot for joining me. So bring me up to speed. What is clear and present danger reporting? Who submits these reports? When do they do it? And what generally happens when state police receive those reports? If a member of law enforcement, say a local police department, observes some type of conduct by someone who is homicidal, suicidal, they can then report that. If they have a recent firearms purchase history, if they have a firearms identification card and they are a clear and present danger, they are revoked. And that revocation is reported back to the local law enforcement agency so they can make sure any firearms that individual has are placed within the proper custody. And these are the type of circumstances and the events leading up to those tragedies. And this clear and present danger tool is showing to be a very effective means of intervention and trying to prevent those type of tragedies. All right, so it sounds like the process has been around for a while, but now you're making more of an effort to use it to take guns away from folks in those situations and keep them from buying any in the future. How many of these reports have you gotten so far this year? The number of clear and present danger reports over the past year was about 10,000. About 4,000 of those are people that had FOID cards. And so a good number of the people that are coming through the clear and present danger reporting process are people that don't even have a Ford card. So we now hold those records. And when someone later comes to apply for the Ford card, we're able to stop them from doing so. That other 4,000 or so, those are people that had Ford cards. We do that revocation, and then we report it back to local law enforcement. And we'll either work it up with them and go get the firearms and make sure they're properly disposed of, or local, local law enforcement is taking a much bigger and more active role in doing that. 
Now, in all those cases, there have to be examples of a situation that could have gotten very bad very quickly. Are there any of those that you're willing to share? There's plenty of examples. Uh, a young person threatening to kill his grandparents. School administrators reporting to the Illinois State Police. A student uh, making threats to his fellow students and then making sure that clear and present danger is filed in that person's background so they can't have a firearm in the future. But also then working with the parents, going out to their house and making sure that that child doesn't have access to the adult's firearms. Local law enforcement is using it more. We'd like to see medical professionals use it more. School administrators are now using it pretty routinely, and it does make a difference. Have you gotten any pushback from this? Are there any folks expressing constitutional concerns to you? This is circumstances where people say, yes, obviously, this person is dangerous. They're homicidal, they're suicidal. They should not have access to firearms. And in the event some of those reports turn out to be wrong, we have some very strong due process in place. We have a records appeal process. We have a, a firearms identification review board now that did not exist a couple of years ago. I don't think there's been any time in the history of the United States where if someone was trying to kill someone or they're going to try to kill themselves, or they're doing something that shows that they're, they're clear and present danger to everyone around them, that we should not be able to take those firearms and be able to properly dispose of them in a way that prevents someone from being a threat to others. The increased use of these clear and present danger reports came around shortly after the mass shooting in Highland Park last year. A report like that had been filed against the alleged shooter. Now, do you think that these rules that are in place now would have prevented that tragedy? I think it's unclear, and I think it's very difficult to be able to say that that's the case. And, and you know, you, you hope when you look back that maybe there's some lesson learned there that uh, some sort of process could have been in place to, to make a change. But we know that this tool is working now. It's having a real impact in, in real circumstances. I think we have an obligation to do everything we can to take every lesson we may have learned, even, even if it's speculative and even if it might be a bit of a reach. Let's see what we can do and, and let's try as hard as we can. That's Illinois State Police Director Brendan Kelly speaking with reporter Alex Stegman. Alex is an Illinois Statehouse reporter for several public radio stations. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.